0: This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless, and enjoy this message. But I do want to go ahead and dive in today. Today's the second installation in the series that we began last week called What's Next? And it's a message on the end times. And I want to talk to you about two spiritual conditions that will happen simultaneously in the last days. Okay, if you have your um, Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at the first one of these and then also in Joel chapter 2. But if you have your word, I'll give you just a second to get to Matthew chapter 24. It will be up on the screen as well that you can read it along with us. But Matthew 24, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 through 12, it says this. And this is the first spiritual condition that will happen in the last days. And it says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. Many will turn away the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Why? Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now, if you go back to verse number 11, if you'll put that one up real quick, I want you to notice what Jesus said. He said, and many, many, even in um, 10, go back to 10, it says it again. At that time, what? Many will turn away. Now, in another translation that I read, it says the word most. So in the last days, people's love will grow cold for Christ. Not just a couple, not just a handful, but many or most people will fall away from their faith. Many or most people will go away from the very thought that they were raised in. Many or most people will go away from the love that only Jesus can give them. That's very upsetting to me to hear. It's, it's very depressing to hear that Jesus predicted that this would happen, that most, that many would go into this category of I don't know Christ. But it, I also, even as upsetting and depressing that it might be, I find it a very accurate description of the times that we're in. <laughs> Did you hear that? It is very accurate to what we are looking at right now. There is a coldness to the things of God. There are people that have grown lax in their relationship and allowed things into their heart that should not be there, have allowed ideas into their soul that should not be there, allowed other items into their homes that should not be there. There is a huge going away from the faith. But then let me tell you something else though, at the same time that that happens, simultaneously in the midst of a great crisis of people turning away from God, a revival will break out. A remnant of God's people that remain, a remnant of God's people that are left, ones that are willing to withstand the persecution that comes at them, that are willing to stand in the face of everybody saying that what you're doing is fake and what you're doing is a lie, what you're doing is false. If you're willing to stand up, there is a remnant of people ready to start revival. And all it needs is just a little spark. All we need is a little spark. Joel chapter 2 says, And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both what? Men and women. I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Amen. We have something to look forward to. So what happens to turn the tides here? What happens to wake people up for the revival to come? What happens in this middle of going away from your faith sparks a revival unlike any has ever seen? And I want to take you this morning to the book of 2 Chronicles. Because you read in both 1 and 2 there that you see a story of, of Israel, a history of rulers of Israel. And the book begins by listing people all the way back to Adam and Eve, which is kind of amazing to really think that everybody's connected. And it traces Adam's line all the way to David. And then it goes on to tell the story of all the kings that lived and ruled in Israel from the time of David to when the Babylonians conquered and destroyed Jerusalem. God chose Israel as his chosen people. God made a covenant with Abraham that his descendants would grow into a great people and that they would be blessed and that all the world would be blessed because of them. But throughout Israel's history, we see that they haven't always been right with God. And we're going to look at that today, 2 Chronicles chapter 33. It's where we find history of one of Israel's kings named Manasseh. Now it says in in the word that he was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He, he he allowed the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. So you have a 12-year-old king. Does anybody have a 12-year-old in here? Could you imagine your 12-year-old being a king of an entire nation? No, I can't either, but it happened. He was 12 years old when he became king. He was very evil. He was a ruthless king. And some would even say that he was the most evil king in Israel's history. But maybe you have the thought that I kind of thought too. Well, he's only 12. He didn't know any better, right? He didn't have any guidance. He was too young to take the responsibility of an entire nation. Maybe he was led astray by his counselors. Maybe it wasn't his fault. And I will admit this morning that leading a nation like that at the age of 12 would have been hard. But I'm telling you, Manasseh did not fall into the category of didn't know any better. Hezekiah was his dad. Hezekiah was a righteous king that was compared in 2 Chronicles chapter 29 to David, whom God called a man after his own heart. 2 Chronicles says this about Hezekiah. In all that he did in the service of the temple of God and in his efforts to to go with God's laws and commands, Hezekiah sought his God wholeheartedly. And as a result... He was very successful. That's what the Bible says about him. So when Manasseh took over the kingdom. It was a very prosperous kingdom. It was a good kingdom. And he was surrounded at that time. With righteous and godly counselors left to him by his dad. There was no reason on God's green earth. That he should have turned out the way that he did. But somewhere along the way, he fell away from God. And Isaiah was one of the prophets at the time that um, he was king. And rabbinic history states that he was actually his um, granddad. Meaning that his granddad had a godly influence. So not only him, but then you've got um, Hezekiah. So um, he had no reason. To be like he was. But despite all the influences in his life. I want to read some of the things that he did. I want you to listen to this. Second Chronicles chapter 33 verse 2. Actually we're going to go to 3. He rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah had um, uh, demolished. Now the high places means shrines. Shrines on um, top of the mountains. He also erected altars to Baals and made Asherah poles, a god. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord of which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to these starry hosts. He sacrificed his children. He practiced the divination and witchcraft, sought omens and consulted mediums and spirits. He did much evil... In the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger, goes on to say, He took the image he had made and put it in God's temple, of which God had said to David and to his son in his temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not again make the feet of the Israelites leave the land I assigned to your ancestors. If they only, now listen, if they only will be careful to do everything I commanded them Concerning the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses. But Manasseh led Judah and the people away from God. So that, now this is an important statement because we're going to come back to it, so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. 2 Kings chapter 21 states that um, Manasseh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. So Manasseh and his generation represent a generation of going away from God or a rebellion against God. The people of his time completely turned their backs on God and the word of God. They, they went with him down this path like sheep being led to the slaughter. Isn't it amazing how one man can have so much power and influence over a nation and how the masses just went with him without question and we see the same thing happening today. We have these so called influences so called voices that are speaking to the men and women of our nation and people don't know the word of God so they take whatever the preacher says at heart and just believe it to be true and that's why we have churches and religions today that don't go with the entire Bible because the church doesn't know the Bible for themselves they rebelled against their heritage They rebelled against the very foundation they were built on. They rebelled against the written word of God. They rebelled against the prophets and the law. God had chosen them to be His people. God had chosen them. And they rebelled against Him. I want you to look at some of the parallels between the time then and our time now. He led His nation into human sacrifice. There's been over 61 million babies aborted since the Roe vs. Wade. That is human sacrifice. We don't believe in the killing of innocent children. But this nation has gone there. And we've allowed it to happen. He, um, he, he, he burned his own son to the god Molech. How many sons and daughters do we sacrifice each day? Next, he promoted pagan worship above over the worship of God. It's what's happening right now in America. Next, Manasseh attacked the people of God. Why do you think there was so much blood there? Why were there so many innocent people slaughtered? Because Manasseh was trying to shut the mouths of the people who spoke against him. Remember I told you about Isaiah was his granddad? Well, Manasseh had him killed just to silence him. To keep him quiet. In the same way, the church, the, everybody around outside the church is trying to silence the church. Not just a week ago. A church was fined $1,000 for having a prayer meeting with 10 people. When is God going to just sit back and say, I've waited patiently long enough. It's time that I go back and get my remnant. It's time that I go back and call my people home. It's time that, that, that this disaster ends because I will not abandon my chosen people. You've got Manasseh who ignored the word of God and established his own laws. Laws driven by desire and lust and popularity. America is driven by it as well. America has embraced the mindset of do what you want. Do what feels good. Do what seems right to you. And they've rejected the law of God. The things that were called evil are called good. The things that were called good are now called evil because we've gone away from what God has commanded us to do. And many churches have began to embrace a religion that's not true gospel. They take the parts they like and dismiss the ones they don't. Can I say this? It's not in my notes, but this church right here believes the entire Bible. They believe from beginning to the end that every word was ordained by God to be spoken that can be used then, it can be used now. There is nothing in the Word of God that is fake. There is nothing in the Word of God that is false. It is an active, it is an alive sword that is still supposed to be used today. And it's our job to preach righteousness. He allowed idols in the house of God. He intermingled within the tabernacle. He erected statues of himself. He said, you go ahead and worship Jehovah, but there's all these other gods too. Some people believe that he made the changes for economic reasons. His, mo- his motivation was driven by money. He embraced all, religion, all religions and all manners of worship to promote more money. He used mystics. He used other methods to help bring in money. He embraced political correctness. I'm sorry, I need to move on. He chose what was popular and what made the people happy. And just like his granddad, if you spoke against what I say, I'll have you killed. And I want you to take special notice of verse 9 again where it says, But Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray, so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Now let me explain that for just a moment, okay? The people that lived in Canaan before it was given to Israel were evil. And they were judged severely because of it. God commanded that they be completely driven out of the land. And none were to be spared. And verse 9 here tells us that the people here even did more evil than them. So if God is a just God, how long can he sit back and not just? There comes a time when justice is still justice. And I'm telling you, there is coming a time when the Lord will judge what's going on. And he's coming back for his remnant. But the story goes on. I don't want to hang there for just a while. Second chronicles, going into um, verse 10, it said, "The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but watch what it said, but they paid no attention. God even spoke through Jeremiah who was also a prophet at the time, where it said, because of the wicked things, Manasseh, son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, did in Jerusalem, I will make my people an object of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. So then, verse 11, so the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria. Now, if you know anything about their army, they were one of the most evil, or they took no slaves. They destroyed everything in their path. And they took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. Is it okay if I preach this this morning? Because of their rebellion, they were punished And God pronounced a judgment upon them. They were immediately punished by the sacking of their city and the destruction of their temple. But some 60 years later, the Babylonians under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar would come and completely conquer Judah and Jerusalem would be destroyed and they would kill the people with no mercy and carry away some to be slaves, but Judah would sit empty. Which brings me to my point this morning. If God judged Israel over the evil that they had done then how long can America continue to rebel against God and God not do something about it? We're in rebellion against God. We've rebelled. We've rebelled against our heritage. We've rebelled against the very foundation that as a country We were built on. We rebelled against God and the word of God and we used to be a Christian nation governed by Christian principles but we have pushed God out of everything. And let me tell you, let me make this point blank clear right now. This is not a red versus blue. This is not a Biden versus Trump. This is, we were doing this years and years and years ago. This isn't anything new. This isn't something that just happened to today or last night. This has been going on for a long time and God is saying it's time that the church do right and do what I've called you to do. And reach disciples for Jesus. I don't care who's president. I did not vote for a savior. I voted for a president. And no matter who sits in that office. I will pray for them. Because both of them need it. Do you see how closely the generation of of these people parallels with our own? And if God judged Manasseh and the nation of Judah for their sin, and if they provoked God to anger by their actions, then doesn't it make sense that we too have provoked God to anger and judgment will soon come? Let me tell you something, judgment's coming. We have established that, okay? We know that. And it's coming because lawlessness has increased and most people's love has grown cold judgment's coming because there are people that fell away from their faith and because of this this is where we find ourselves but i told you at the same time i didn't bring my towel it's hot up here or it could be i'm just fat at the same time that people went away from god a revival broke out after Manasseh was conquered he did see the error in his ways I want you to watch scripture 2nd Chronicles chapter 33 verse 12 in his distress he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors Before I read on, can you imagine him sitting in his office looking at what he had done and thinking back to all the principles that his dad taught him? All the principles that his granddad had taught him, but he didn't have him to call anymore. He had had him killed. All the things that Hezekiah had instilled into him, And he saw what had become of his nation. And the next verse says that when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved. Because let me tell you something, if you live to be the ripe age, the young age of 100 years old, if you go 99 years of your life in blatant sin. But in the last breaths you take, confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He opens up his arms and says, welcome to paradise. He understood. And when he prayed, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and his kingdom. Then Manasseh, what's it say? Knew that the Lord is God. You see, he was a bad king, made bad mistakes, made bad choices, led wrongly, but he repented and his throne was restored. But let me tell you something, though. With every action comes a consequence. Whether you like it or not, you can't lead an entire nation chosen by God astray, expect to come back and God forgive you and then your nation be saved. There were consequences to what he had done. It was too late to undo all the things he had set into motion. He led the nation down a path of evil that he couldn't lead them out of. So verse 16 says, Then he restored the altar and uh, the altar of the Lord and sacrifice offerings and, and more on it and told Judah, he told them, he preached to them, he said, Serve the Lord, the God of Israel. The people, however continued to sacrifice at the high places, the shrines, but only to the Lord their God. So they were halfway there. They were were praying to God, but they were praying to God in their shrines that they had built up for other gods. So it leads me to believe that their worship wasn't 100% pure, but it still held remnants of those old pagan traditions and pagan ways. And he was unable to undo what he had set in motion. So um, Manasseh, he he, he he died. But thanks be to God, I would like to think he gave his heart to Christ and during that time. But his son, Ammon, became king. And Ammon only reigned for two years. And the Bible says that he sinned even more than Manasseh. Meaning it was too late for Manasseh to have a positive impact on his own son. Which is a warning to all you parents. Don't wait till it's too late to have a positive impact on your children. And then Amon was assassinated. He was killed by his own servants. So is there any hope for Israel? Is there any coming back from the great departure of faith? Is God's promise of judgment absolute with no possibility of grace? Have they traveled down a path that they can never return from? God promised judgment on Judah. So was there any use to trying to change God's mind? Could any good happen? Could anyone be saved? And maybe this morning that's how you feel that judgment is coming to a world that we are here just to write it out and we're just meant to live through whatever part of it that we've been called to live through and bear it until it's over. Just do the best we can and live the best we can until the trumpet sounds. Well, Ammon had a son. The grandson of Manasseh. His name was Josiah. And let me tell you something. He became king at the age of eight years old my oldest Aiden, is eight years old I couldn't imagine it <laughs> but the Bible says in 2nd Chronicles chapter 34 verse 2 he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his now look what it said Father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Josiah was born to Ammon, yet Josiah is referred to the son of David because Josiah became hungry for a move of God unlike his dad and hungry for an experience with God unlike his dad but just like David did. It goes on and says in the eighth year of his reign, mind you he's 16 years old now. While he's still young, he began to seek the God of his father David in the 12th year. Listen, now he's 20 years old. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of all those high places, Asherah poles and idols. So at the age of 16, he began to seek God. He was disturbed by what he saw. He was surrounded by all the evil and the negative influence, and God began speaking to this young king. At the age of 20, Josiah began to abolish the idol worship and tear down the high places. He didn't leave them up like his granddad did but he tore them all down he traveled everywhere he could to every region and cleansed the nation of all idol worship verse 8 says at the age of 26 he began to repair the temple he appointed leaders he raised money he called in the Levites and the priests and they started to rebuild the temple and reestablish corporate worship of God and then Josiah sent Shaphan the scribe and Hilkiah the priest into the temple to begin cleaning and repairing it and while working in the temple Hilkiah found this book of law somewhere hidden in the dark corner under a pile of rubble and Hilkiah pulled free the book of the law and blew the dust off its cover he took it to Shaphan and urged him to immediately take it to King Josiah. Shaphan did more than just take it to him. Watch this it says in verse number 18 then Shaphan the secretary informed the king Hilkiah the priest has given me a book and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king he didn't just hand it to him he had already flipped through the pages he had already known what it said and he said I don't want him to just put this book up on his shelf so while I'm here I'm going to go ahead and open it up and I'm going to read the book to him so Josiah heard the word of God and he tore his clothes Because he realized that what the nation had become was nasty. That he felt so dirty that he had to rip his clothes. Because he knew his nation was not living in obedience to God's word. He recognized the sins of his nation. He recognized the sin in himself. He recognized the sins of his dad and his granddad and the generations before. He tore his clothes and repented for all their sins. And he cried out to mercy. He cried out to God that God would give mercy on him and his nation. Watch this, verse 24. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people. Remember, consequences still come because of actions that they took all the curses written in the book that has been read in the presence of the king of Judah because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger but all that their hands have made my anger will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord this is what the Lord says the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard now watch this verse 27 but because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God somebody better shout out real quick because when you heard what he spoke against this place and its people and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence I have heard you declares the Lord now I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace your eyes will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this place and a great and A great awakening started in Judah. A revival started in Judah, judgment still coming. But judgment was stayed for a time and a revival swept through the land. Verse 29 says that Josiah called all the people together from the least to the greatest and he read the law of God to them. He pledged in front of the people to obey the Lord and keep his laws with all his heart and soul. He then encouraged the people to make the same pledge to God and the people renewed their covenant and revival swept through their nation. God, revival is not too late. It's not too late for revival. Let me remind you of Joel chapter 2 and it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handsmaids in those days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Do you want to know what's next? Do you want to know what lines up right ahead? There will be a revival sweep the land unlike we have ever seen. We're going to see the glory of God back in his house. We're going to see the glory of God back in our house we're going to see God moving our children let me tell you something is coming the question are you going to be a part of it please hear me this morning because it's an honest question are you going to be a part of it right now our world is falling away you can see it happen around us but there's a remnant of people who are getting serious about their faith about their walk with God and are getting hungry for the presence of God there are people who are sick of business as usual they're sick of religion and they just want relationship and i'm one of those people Jesus said in Matthew 24 that before the end comes the gospel would be preached to all nations. And it's happening right now. World mission stats say that outside the United States 3,000 people are saved every 25 minutes. They are beginning new churches. They are training new ministers. And the church is growing at an amazing rate. Even in the midst of severe persecution, people are giving their lives to God. But meanwhile in America, 4,000 churches are closing their doors every year. We are losing per year 2,765,000 people to the world. And since 1968, church attendance has declined by half. And only 21% of Americans attend church every week. Tell me we don't have a problem. This isn't a 2020 problem. This is years and years of doing this. And that's why as a nation we find ourselves in the state that we're in. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Because all it took was a little 8 year old boy who got a little spark of Jesus. And that spark reached an entire nation. I'm telling you all it takes is a spark. All it takes is one person. And it might just start with your children. And I pray to God, it starts with my eight-year-old boy. (laughs) What do we have to do? We've got to get hungry. We've got to get hungry for His presence. If we seek Him, the Bible says you will find Him. So let revival start with you. Get passionate. And what happens is when you get the spark... It catches your spouse, it catches your kids, it catches your friends, it catches the school, it catches the workplace, it catches the city, it catches the state, it catches the nation. And soon it will be like a flame that the devil can't control and that revival will sweep across America again. And all that starts is with one person. I want to see people saved. I want to see people baptized in the Holy Ghost. I want to see healings take place. Can I stop for a minute, Joyce Hall? She's in the nursery right now. Talk about healing. Talk about miracles. Delbert, you can attest to this right now. They told her she would never have any sight in her eye. And just in the last week, it's gone from a zero to a ten. Ten. Her eyesight's coming back, and we're believing in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something. Lacey Courtney, I don't think, is here this morning, but Riley hurt her ankle. We prayed that day. Guess what? Monday, she went to have an x-ray. Nothing wrong. Completely healing. And let me tell you, there's other needs that came to me, and I'm telling you right now, God is with you. He will fight for you. And I'm believing in healing right now in the name of Jesus. I want healing to take place. I want to see lives restored. I want to see God move again. Or are we satisfied with what we've got? If you'll come, we better wake up before it passes us by. So what was the recipe for, for, for this this nation swept by God for just God moving. What was the recipe? What did Josiah do to bring revival? Number one, real quick, I just have a couple things. He searched. He searched every area of his life, and then every area of his house, and then every area of his kingdom of sin. And he repented for it. Josiah searched out the whole kingdom looking for idols, looking for shrines, places of worship. And he destroyed them. If we want to see revival again, we must search our heart. We must search our home. We must search what we watch. We must search what we listen to. We must search our friends. We must search out the idols and the pagan places of worship. We must search out sin. We must search out the things that God's not pleased with. And we must repent of our sin. Revival can only come through repentance. That's why David prayed in Psalm. Search me God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. Search me. Know everything that's in it. He searched. Number two, he repaired and cleansed the house of God. The moments we spend together in this house, no matter if there's five people, if there's 105, these moments are holy moments. These moments are God-ordained moments. Can I say without any rebuke that this house is not so we can get what we want? This house is so that we can get what God wants. And I pray that I can put my personal preference aside and allow God to do what God wants to do. And when we give our hearts to God and let Him take control, then we will see the promises come. He repaired and cleansed the house of God. And then number three, and maybe one of the most important ones, okay? He loved to read. word of God 25 billion Bibles are sold every year every year they're the best selling book across the nation but just because somebody buys it don't mean that they read it Josiah knew what it said Josiah knew what the law was. He knew what God had commanded. And it wasn't just because he listened to somebody else tell him what he should or should not do. But he knew it for himself. And I'm telling you, if we want revival to sweep this nation, it's time that the church knows it for themselves. And we don't just wait on a preacher to tell me. Listen, I want you to test what I say. I want you to test what I preach. I want you to know that everything that I say, I believe comes from the mouth of God because I've spent time in prayer, because I've listened to the Holy Spirit tell me what to speak on, because everything that's mentioned comes from the Holy Bible. So I'm telling you, if if something doesn't sit right with your spirit, I pray, I ask, I beg, go home and know it for yourself and test it with the Spirit because if it speaks peace to your life, then it's of God. So what do we do? We have to search. We have to cleanse. And we have to commit. If we want revival, we have to search. We have to cleanse. And we have to commit. If we want our children back in church, we have to search. We have to cleanse. We have to commit. If we want this church full and the glory of God to spread, we have to search, we have to cleanse, and we have to commit.